This is the Frankly Daniel Show, and yes, I'm the Daniel in the Frankly part of this enterprise. It's my weekly exercise of our First Amendment rights. Thank you for joining me, and it's an honor to be here today with you. Well, let me start by saying, I'm hopping mad today. The clown show goes on in America under the Biden administration's twisted malpractice. It's the Biden's version of howdy-doody time. Kawabunga, Buffalo Joe. Yes, today I'm mad about a host of issues all having to do with the progressive left. That most certainly includes Joe Biden, the Department of Injustice, woke school boards and teachers unions, including woke teachers, and I've had it with the Judas Republicans in Congress. If you're not disturbed, upset, or worried about the state of our union, then let me help you change that. I'm going to give you a piece of my mind on several burning hot issues today. Oh, yes, my wife often reminds me to go slow on giving folks a piece of my mind. She reminds me I'm already running a growing deficit on mind pieces. So I'll be cautious and I'll go slow. To start with, didn't it disappoint you and rub you the wrong way when those 13 so-called Republican House members voted to pass Joe Biden's bloated infrastructure law, thus allowing clueless Joe to call this a bipartisan victory? Well, of course, there were 17 or 18 idiotic Republican senators who also voted for this a couple of weeks ago. Now, you'll never see this happen on the Democrat side of the aisle. They're too disciplined for this. Except, have you seen what progressives are doing to Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema? I mean, talk about cancel culture. It's more like cancel vultures. The the incivility is really beyond anything most of us have have ever grown up with or seen before. It's vicious, malicious, and borders on morally criminal. Yet I pray these two Democrats stay strong, because if they fail in caving the Democrats' demands, we could see Biden's socialist build-back-better nightmare pass the Senate. Of course, it will pass the House in next week sometime. And if you think inflation is bad now, we'll see inflation in the 15-20% to 20% range within a year. Now, here's the point of interest. Wages are up 2.8%, but inflation is up 6.2%. So, do the math. Even using the critical race calculator, wages are losing the race by 3.4%. Even using the Biden calculator, something just, just doesn't add up. Although I understand this isn't possible, but if inflation surely moves in this direction, And if the supply chain problems persist or get worse, and immigration balloon bloats to three or four million a year with increased criminal activity, could you imagine people taking to the street and demanding that Donald J. Trump be made president by public acclamation? Alas, I know it won't happen. I I know it's constitutionally impossible. But how far will Biden and the hell-bent progressives push Americans like you and me, around before there's an explosive backlash. Well, let's dwell on this dream about Donald Trump being president for a moment. I I ask you, if Trump were still president, do you believe any of the nation's current problems would be as supersized as they are now? 
In fact, we know that many of these problems wouldn't even exist if Donald Trump was still president. First, the $1.9 trillion Democrat CARES Act of 2021 would have never happened. This was one of those extremely rare times no Republicans voted for the CARES Act. None in the House or the Senate. I marked it on my calendar. It it, it really is a historic event. Despite the Republican protest that this profligate spending wasn't needed, the Democrats went ahead and used Vice President Kamala Harris's vote to push the legislation on 51 to 50 in the Senate. The CARES Act is the fuel that's energized inflation. I don't think any economist is disagreeing about that. And there's a a massive national sin you may not know about, but I'm going to tell you today. It certainly hasn't been reported in the New York Times or on CNN or MSNBC or broadcast on Depress the Nation with Chuck Fraud. Of the $1.9 trillion, hard to get your head around that amount, but on on this on this bill, $1.9 trillion in unneeded CARES relief, government agencies now say that $400 billion of those funds have been lost to fraud. Yes, I said fraud. And, and stop and think about it for a minute. Four, $400 billion in fraud. But who cares about the fraud in the CARES Act, right? The largest share of this criminal fraud occurred in what state do you think it occurred in? Well, you'd think maybe New York or Illinois. No, it's California. Of course, California. Surprise, not really. $400 billion out of $1.9 trillion, or that's exactly 21%. That was lost to fraud. Now, I ask you, how much of the $1.2 trillion infrastructure law will go to lost partisan pork and organized criminal fraud? Any of these possible under the Biden administration? Uh, Could you run your household if 21% of your income was given away every paycheck to a thief? Put it this way, for every $100 you earn after taxes, how would you react if you had to hand over $21 of that $100 to an unknown criminal enterprise? Now, as some may argue that taxes in today's world of government Our donations to an unknown criminal enterprise, our federal government. But try thinking about it this way. Someone stops by every paycheck and says, I'm an authorized criminal thief created by the wasteful largesse of the federal government, and I'm here to collect my take of your paycheck. So would you please hand over 21% of it? Consider it a donation, like a church collection or something you might give to the United Way. So ask yourself, what does the government do well? Certainly not hand out $1.9 trillion in that short amount of time, pretending it was some kind of national emergency. Oh, by, by the way, Joe Biden never mentions all the voters he's picked up in organized crime. So uh, what else is attributable to the CARES Act? Well, uh, 4 million people wouldn't have stayed home on the overly generous unemployment dole until September of this year. No, I'm not saying that all this unemployment was misspent. There were definitely folks that needed the help. But but seriously, what are the chances 
We all know someone who cashed in on the overly generous unemployment benefits when they could have just as easily gone to work. Unfortunately, too many Americans think that when they take government money, what's the harm? They quickly claim that it wasn't your money they took. It was the government's money, and besides, if they didn't take it, somebody else surely would have. So they took it in self-defense. <laughs> really? We don't apparently teach ethics, morals, or civic duty in schools anymore. Instead, our woke schools are teaching gender-bending, racial, social, critical race justice, and how they, too, can grow up to be the chief equity officer at some totally woke company in the future. But is it possible we've all entered into a warped American version of the squid games? But, but hey, but hey, I have a right to be upset about the fraud. You see, it, it was my money. Someone stole my money. You see, like you probably are, I'm one of the 48.9% of Americans who actually pays federal income tax every year. Go figure. To fund the $1.9 trillion CARES Act, the Federal Reserve just printed more money. Imagine that. They just created money out of ink, paper, and very thin and rarefied air. Now, nothing backs this paper money except the promise of our children and their children's children. They're going to be promising to pay this all back. What a wonderful gift to them. And in, in perpetuity, which is very similar to infinity and beyond. Say, I'm, I'm just curious. Now, if, if a liberal decides to have an abortion, does that child still have an obligation to help pay back all that money Joe Biden is borrowing? I, I know, it was a stupid rhetorical question. I take it back. But I wonder, if I took this monopoly money to the U.S. Treasury and I asked for its equivalent in gold or silver or anything tangible, maybe peanut brittle, Biden's socialist Treasury Secretary would, no doubt, <laughs> laugh me out of the building. Printing money wasn't wasn't enough. It wasn't enough money just to be printing it. So the Treasury had to go into the capital markets and borrow money, swelling our national debt to nearly $29 trillion. But it's, it's only money, right? It apparently does grow on trees, because that's where paper comes from, and that's what they use to print this stuff. Now, what if all the countries and all the private groups holding our national IOUs demanded full payment on these loans? In other words, they want the principal back, not just the interest payments. We couldn't come close to meeting those obligations. We'd have to sell parts of Alaska or New York. On the New York part, I'm not so opposed to that. Or perhaps even auction off several B-2 stealth bombers and maybe a couple of aircraft carriers. Don't I mean, don't laugh. This is how serious this debt is. None of us worked for a cent of this extra CARES Act money. It was totally created. And Biden and the progressive Democrats just pumped and dumped it into our economy. And ever since, Biden has paraded around as if he's some kind of great modern-day Robin Hood. Yet the truth is that he's used our credit card to withdraw $1.9 trillion, and then given some of our own money back to us. <laughs> what a country! Now, doesn't this raise your blood pressure up by maybe at least five points? Uh, it, I've been able to skip that second cup of coffee most mornings when I read this stuff. 
We're seeing the interest charges on that money and the inflation cost at the gas stations and at the grocery stores. Think about it. For the most part, nothing was produced by our labor for this money. It was play money on the house. Take it, even if you don't need it, and spend it. And we did take it. And along with Biden's logistical supply chain crisis, we had too much cash chasing, too few products on the shelves, until there were no products on the shelves to chase. But the main problem with the supply chain and inflation is that people aren't coming back to work. The supply chain problem is really a work chain problem. The unemployment at every node in the supply chain is way too high. Biden keeps celebrating that we have the lowest unemployment rate since uh, the Civil War. Uh, pick any Civil War, doesn't really matter. What a joke. We have 11 million job openings. A lot of these are in very, very good paying jobs. The reason unemployment is down to 4.9% is that millions upon millions upon millions of Americans have walked out of the labor market and they're, and they're not coming back anytime soon. And, and what about the impact of Biden's vaccine mandates on our labor force participation? When 15 to 20% of the labor force is pushed out of the labor market because Biden's vaccine mandates, that, that's when Donald Trump said something that, come, that just comes to mind. He said, be careful that the treatment for COVID-19 doesn't become worse than the disease. Now, here in Clearwater, Florida, until this week, Costco had no toilet paper for nearly five running weeks, and packages of paper towels were limited to one per customer. I know that's not really useful information, but I, but I have a point. I mean, really, I mean, really, uh, toilet paper, paper towels, what's this about? We can't get paper towels to wipe up spills or toilet paper to wipe our assets. Oh, go ahead and admit it. You thought I was going to say wipe our... Uh, but anyway, uh, we're talking about toilet paper and paper towels. We're not talking about iPhones and high-end headsets. By the way, 12 packs of Costco paper towels and 24 rolls of packaged Charmin toilet paper make great Christmas gifts this year. You can probably even get it gift-wrapped, uh, that is, if stores can find gift wrappers to hire. Yesterday, I stopped by Publix to, to do a little grocery shopping. Publix is the big grocery chain throughout Florida. It's a very good outfit. Shelves are always stocked, and their selection is top-notch. But yesterday... No Stouffer's in the frozen food section. I mean, no Stouffer's. Really, no Stouffer's in the whole section. Of course, this isn't a crisis, but it was quite noticeable. Long rows of glaringly empty shelves, all lit up with those wonderful fluorescent lights that come on as you walk down the aisle. I overheard customers asking a Publix employee about the Stouffer's empty shelves. She said everything is on back order and we don't really know when or what the next ship is going to bring. Sorry, that's all I know. Then she went on to say when stuff does come in, people are loading up, up on frozen foods and we just can't keep up with the demand. Uh, the CARES Act also pumped an obscene amount of money into our public primary, elementary, and high school systems. What did the school districts do with all this money? Now, last week, I played an audio clip by a money-wise female parent in Loudoun County who publicly pressed the criminally incompetent school board 
for an accounting of what they did with nearly $22 million received in CARES Act funds and other funds from the government as part of COVID-19 relief. Still no answer. The Loudoun County School Board has a lot of major league problems, all self-created. Where did all the COVID money go is just one of several of those problems. We do know they spent millions on critical race theory training by the California Equity Collaborative Consulting Firm, because that's all this CRT consulting firm does is CRT training. But, but there I go again. I forgot. CRT isn't taught in Virginia. Well, I'm not going to recount all the problems that are going on in Loudoun County Schools and Fairfax as well. I, it would take the rest of the hour. But I will share with you that the leadership parent group called Fight for Schools has pushed one of the most woke school board members to, uh, to resign just before the Virginia gubernatorial election in November 2nd. But they're still on a righteous campaign to recall more board members, and well, they should be recalled. Here's a clip from uh, Ian Pryor, who's the leading spokesperson for Fight for Schools. You know, it's the uh, it's our school board meeting, our Tuesday school board meeting following the election. Uh, you know, I heard a lot about Fight for Schools and that these removal efforts were, were all about winning an election and that we would lay off after the election. Well, we're not. And today we just filed 1,200 signatures to remove the chairwoman of Loudoun County School Board, Brenda Sheridan. We actually drafted our initial petitions um, for all these school board members back in May, but so much has happened since May. Uh, you know, silencing parents, putting a teacher on administrative leave for, uh, you know, expressing his First Amendment rights, and finally, you know, failing to keep the safety of our students at the forefront and allowing a now convicted sex offender to go to a different school where he allegedly sexually assaulted someone again. So we decided that for the chairwoman and the vice chairwoman, and the buck stops with them, that we were going to draft new petitions and then we're going to get all that information in there in front of a court. So we drafted those petitions and we were able to finish those off in 13 days. Based on the last one, it took about a month and a half or so to, to get in front of court for, you know, a variety of motions. Um, and then after that, you know, it's a discovery schedule would be set um, if we're successful in getting to that point and then a trial. And it's usually pretty quick. I mean, it shouldn't take more than four to six months, but it's anybody's guess at this point. I think that Loudoun County has been an inspiration across the country for holding their school boards accountable, demanding transparency, demanding collaboration with parents. Um, school boards across the country have been pushing back. The National School Board Association pushed back. The Attorney General pushed back. But I think the message here is we're still here. Yes, Loudoun County has been and remains ground zero for all parental initiatives to reclaim rights over their children's education and their safety while, while in school. I congratulate them. I, I actually celebrate them, and, and they are extremely professional and effective. We are parents and grandparents, and we all came by way of parents, and we're still here too. Now, over the last 18 months, and because of the CARES Act, teachers allowed their unions to grab pay increases, while at the same time telling all too willing woke school boards that schools needed to remain closed down, closed down to class in-person teaching for COVID-19 safety reasons. Not safety for children, of course, but safety for teachers. This despite Joe Biden moving teachers to the head of the vaccine line because they were our nation's most essential workers. And they are pretty darn important. 
But in many school districts, only 60 to 75 percent of teachers are vaccinated. And those who've decided not to COVID-19 vaccinate, they can't really be blamed for their refusal to get the shot. I mean, there's far too many questions outstanding. Nevertheless, the powerful teachers' unions, who in many school districts totally control the district school boards, kept schools closed and on remote learning for 540 days or more for teacher safety. Now, kids, who by and large don't suffer the more severe effects of COVID-19 infections, they took a major insult to their developing brains and lost learning. Well, teachers stayed at home on full pay and Zoomed through one and a half years of school. And when they all came back this year to school, their unions blocked all attempts to test where children were in their learning after more than 540 days in many districts on brain-decaying Zoom lessons. Now, schools in red states and red cities have been in school since the return to school in these districts uh, beginning last year already, but not in counties like Loudoun and Fairfax and nor counties in Seattle and uh, other blue-controlled parts of the nation. You remember the expression, the overly trite expression. I mean, this really drives me up a wall when I hear it. It's like, like these expressions, oh, low-hanging fruit. That's another one of my pet peeves. Uh, this expression is, children are our most important resource. Except in too many parts of the country, woke school boards, teachers' unions, and woke teachers' behavior belie this worn, gratuitous statement. And, and guess what? Remote learning is returning to many of these same public school districts because of a massive teacher shortage. Yeah, I'm not kidding you. Teacher shortages. Now, if Trump was still president, we wouldn't have watched helplessly as two million illegal aliens walked into our homes. I mean, our, our country. I'm just doing that metaphorically. But I'm here to tell you that unfettered immigration is part of Biden's and the progressive left's war on families. Massive infusions of illegal aliens burden each school district's local tax base. These unplanned population increases consume local services like hospital beds, welfare lines, and desks at schools. That's where there's no money to fund uh, these increased class sizes. And, uh, and class lessons have to slow down because of language barriers. Teachers are now complaining they're overworked and stressed out, and they're, and they're walking out. This failure to appear to teach has also been accelerated by the Biden's idiotic vaccine mandates. Vaccine mandates. Allow me to step out of rhythm for a moment to play you a clip from this past week of the Senator and Physician Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, as he asks our totally political CDC director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, a question as to how many of the CDC staff of 21,000 full-time employees are COVID-19 vaccinated. What percent of CDC employees are vaccinated? We're actively encouraging vaccination in all of our employees and doing a lot of education and outreach in order to get our agency fully vaccinated. And the, but the percent? I, I don't have that for you today. I'm told that 75, to, um, some north of 75% of CDC employees at headquarters are still working remotely. Is that correct? Um, we are following uh, regulations through HHS and the federal government. No, that's not my question. 
I apologize to be rude, but, but, but I'm asking a very straightforward question. I've been told that north of 75% of employees at, at, at CDC headquarters are working remotely. Is that correct? Senator, I don't actually know the number off the top of okay, my head. Okay, when you so look I'd down the to... hallway, are there empty desks? Are over 50% of the desks empty? Senator, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head. What I will tell you is that we're working closely within HHS and the administration to follow the governmental rules for return to There was a recent GAO report that shows, and released in the last two weeks, that there's been no coordinated response from the federal government to get people back into work. Now, wasn't that interesting? Dr. Fauci was sitting in the chair right next to Dr. Walensky, praying that he wouldn't have to go change his depends because he was afraid someone was going to ask him how many employees at the NIH are vaccinated. And he'd have gotten the same answer from Dr. Fauci, no doubt. What whopping hypocrites. Like the vaccine mandates, Puppet Biden is pressing every wrong button. And, and where there's no bad button to press, the woke progressives in the White House are creating new ones for him to bump into. Well, back to the issue of schools and teacher shortages. There are a number of schools now screaming that they're over capacity and teacher short, or they're just plain short teachers and teacher substitutes. Even more ominous than this, even more inauspicious, disheartening, and infelicitous is how big this shortage of teachers, teaching assistants, and school bus drivers has become, and it's got every sign of growing larger, much, much larger. And don't laugh, it's alarmingly true. Go ahead and Google teacher shortages or overcrowded schools. A father in Montgomery County complains that his son's Spanish class, his son had five different teachers in five straight days, and none of them spoke Spanish. Now, given all the illegal aliens, uh, children crowding into uh, county schools, it's likely some of these young Spanish-speaking students could probably handle teaching all the Spanish classes. Now, that may be something to think about. Here's this week's report from all over the country about teacher shortages. The Seattle and Bellevue school districts have canceled classes on Friday, this past Friday, for thousands of students in the Puget Sound area, citing staffing problems, substitute shortages, and weather concerns among the many reasons they needed to close down. Montgomery County, Maryland teachers and support workers, well, they're protesting staff shortages in Maryland's largest school system saying they're exhausted and stressed. They're stressed out in less than two months into this school year. Now, the teacher shortage is artificial. Oh, th there is a shortage, but n not of teachers, but of teachers who do not want to work in woke school districts. Well, we're up against a break. Please go ahead and check your blood pressure and make sure everything's still okay. We're going to come back really soon. It won't be long. Don't move that dial. The rest of the story is so interesting. I'm excited to talk about a new product from Healthy Cell, AC11. This is a patented bioactive extract of Uncaria tomentosa from the Amazon rainforest. It supports cell DNA repair and health span. It's a dietary supplement. I'm excited to try it. Many are interested in longevity and attenuation of senescence. We know that telomere length and other uh, biologic measures are related to senescence in uh, 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 clinical 
and uh, preclinical studies, particularly of animal models. And I can tell you as a doctor, dietary supplements do hold the promise of attenuating repair and damage in our body due to stress, physical wear and tear, sunlight, etc. And there's a tremendous opportunity for supplements to help us in this area. And so Healthy Cell has brought a product to market for you to try as part of your health portfolio. So please go to HealthyCell.com and in the promotional code, list out loud for 20% off your first purchase of products from Healthy Cell. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Each of us is born with 30 trillion cells that make us. These cells determine how we feel, perform, sleep, focus, and how long we live. And to live our best life, all we have to do is feed our cells. But most food and supplements don't reach our cells, keeping us from reaching our full potential. Make every cell count with Healthy Cell. Founded with a mission to empower people to take control of their own health at the most fundamental level, Dr. Vincent Jampapa, world-renowned cell researcher and medical doctor, created supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. And that's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L. And use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. While the cancel culture is determined to destroy our history, bringing violence and terror to city streets, America Out Loud will enhance its own message of love and honor for the American traditions and constitutional values that have always been the backbone of what America means. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to the Frankly Daniel Show. Welcome back to the Howdy Doody Time in Bidenville, America. Before the break, I was talking about the curious and growing shortage of teachers, assistants, and bus drivers. And I said one of the reasons for the shortage was that teachers are fed up with woke school boards that are pushing critical race theory and its numerous cloak names like social-emotional learning, critical pedagogy, culturally responsive teaching, anti-meritocracy, intersectional studies, systems of power and oppression, restorative justice, and multiculturalism, and scores more of pseudonyms for race-based critical theory. They've had it with the gender games at schools as well. They have no intention of trying to tell a six-year-old they may be a different gender than their sex. In other words, they have no ethical intentions of corrupting the minds of young students with political and twisted gender ideology and critical race-hate theory. Uh, They're fed up with a childhood masking as well. The teaching time lost every day to mask attention in, in classes is sizable, and in the end, no one really knows if masks do more harm than they do good. And they have no intention to be available to deal with angry parents over forthcoming issues of school-mandated COVID-19 childhood vaccines for kids as young as five years of age. 
they're also fed up with unbending vaccine mandates for themselves. Of course, the powerful teachers' unions are quick to take advantage of this shortage, claiming it's pay and teacher working conditions causing the shortages. But woke school districts aren't about to go against the teachers' unions that got them elected to the board in the first place. So good luck on changing these ideological and politically driven working conditions. And by and large, the teachers' unions haven't fought for expunging the vaccine mandates for their teachers. How, how can they, given they're in lockstep with the vaccine Nazis in the White House? Now, in most school districts, teacher pay has been generously increased. Of course, this isn't universally true, but in most school districts, there was a whole new round of teacher union contracts renegotiated in 2020 and early 2021. Moreover, school districts are aggressively recruiting and hiring. It's not the teachers and registered nurses and respiratory therapists and laboratory technologists and technicians and paramedics and sheriffs and police and so many other essential workers. It's not that they don't want to work. It's that they're being forced out of the workplace and they're fed up with being unsupported by government. The Montgomery, Maryland system, with more than 200 schools and about 24,600 employees, has vacancies for 325 teachers. 110 teaching assistants, 100 support staff, and 120 bus drivers. Now, that's quite a bill to fill. Reportedly, school districts in several states have had to shift plans in the last few weeks because there aren't enough teachers or substitutes to fill in for unexpected absences. Severe staff shortages are forcing school districts to close down in-class and in-person teaching and go back online. And we know what a disaster that's been. A survey from Education Week found that 40% of district leaders and principals would call their staff situation, quote, severe or, quote, very severe this year. The School Superintendents Association says that the lack of substitutes across the U.S. has never been more severe. Back again in Virginia's Loudoun County Public Schools, they, they had to go on virtual learning again for two days early in November because the district said it couldn't find enough substitutes. Border Valley and Colorado told Channel 9 News in Denver they usually have about 900 substitute teachers available. But this year, as a result of the pandemic, they have only about 300. Uh, and I have to ask, what, what do you mean because of the pandemic? I mean, don't, don't tell me 600 substitutes died because of COVID-19. Everything these days is either racism or the pandemic. I mean, Joe Biden will go to his grave uh, wearing a mask and claiming that all of his failings, which are none really, are due to either racism, the pandemic, or Donald Trump. But back in Denver, the school district superintendents said they could not find enough substitute teachers to accommodate the 486 teachers who are off this past Friday following the Veterans Day holiday. A similar situation forced Bellevue and Seattle Public Schools to announce this week that it would be closed Friday as well. In Seattle, just before the Veterans Holiday, more than 600 educators requested a substitute so they could take the day after Veterans Day off because of exhaustion and stress. We're eight or nine weeks at best into the school year. Something is really not okay. Well, I, could, I could fill the next two hours announcing local reports of teacher shortages, teaching assistant shortages, 
and no bus drivers. And the only difference between these shortages and the Stouffer's crisis at Publix is that if you could find Stouffer's, Biden hasn't required you to inoculate it with one of the three warp speed COVID-19 vaccines. Well, not yet anyway. And parents are fit to be tied. Check out these two mothers reporting in on Fox and Friends early edition on Friday. They were responding to teacher shortages and alleged teacher exhaustion only eight weeks into the school year. Both school systems in Seattle and Montgomery County, Maryland, are granting teachers days off because of teacher exhaustion and closing schools as if exhaustion is an emergency pandemic condition that calls for an immediate halt to teaching. Here's the clip from mother number one from Seattle. She's the mother of two and was just told that the Seattle school system would be closed for a four-day holiday because of teacher exhaustion. Her first question to her, she was asked, what makes Seattle teachers different? I'm not quite sure. Uh, I'm a single mother. I work full time. I've got two kids that attend Seattle Public Schools. And, you know, we're about eight weeks back into the school year, the first time in a year and a half that they're actually teaching in person. Uh, And so to say eight weeks in that they've had enough and need a four day weekend and give us a day's notice is absolutely ridiculous. Mom number two is a physician in Montgomery County, Maryland. And the first question to her was, why can't Montgomery County find substitute teachers to cover off-time requests of supposedly exhausted teachers only eight weeks into the school year. She was asked, is there no consideration for what these impromptu short notices of school cancellations do to working families? No, and I think it's really an insult to all of the parents who are essential workers, to those of us like myself who are in healthcare, and any parent that cannot turn on a dime and drop everything. It really shows irresponsibility to the children under their care. Back to Seattle. Our Seattle mom was next asked, how are we going to compete with countries like China if we're struggling getting our children into full-time in-person learning? Well, we're not. I mean, quite frankly, I mean, if you look at even just Seattle or Washington State and where we rank, we don't have the, the we can't afford to take a day off, right? Our children can't afford to day off take a day, day off. And, you know, these are the same teachers and these are the same school districts that are screaming equity all the time. And you think about the kids and the families that are really most impacted by this last minute notice to not have school, smaller children, people that can't afford or don't have the opportunity to take a day to work from home. They're losing an entire paycheck because of this inconsiderate notion that they need a day, an additional day off eight weeks into the school year. Back to the mom in Montgomery County, Maryland. Do you accept Montgomery County's excuse for calling school closings because they can't find substitute teachers? I think it's something that they knew about at the very beginning of the school year. It's a solvable problem and one that the leaders of the school system here in Montgomery County failed to adequately address. So canceling school the day before Thanksgiving, also citing that attendance is down more than usual. What's next? Do we just decide that the day before spring break is a day that we don't need school? It's a really slippery slope here, and it shows not prioritizing our children's education, which is what I'm worried about. Staying in Montgomery County, Maryland, the next question is, tell me what's really going on in Montgomery with this particular school system. I think what's really going on here is that parents and children are being held hostage. This is clearly a negotiation tactic, and this cannot stand. Parents are watching, and this is unacceptable. We cannot just say, 
you know, a day here, a day there doesn't matter. We need to provide an education and our school systems are failing to hold up their end of the contract. Back to Seattle for the final clip. Tell me what's really going on in Seattle with your school system. They have all the control. I mean, the teachers unions own everything here. They own the entire conversation and they own all the decisions. And quite frankly, Seattleites have always just rolled over and let it happen. So, you know, today's just another great example of that where we're not going to have school. And sure, you see the parents are upset, but what are they going to do about it? Uh, you know, they need to start pulling these kids out of Seattle public schools and making their message really clear. And there you have it, directly from the mouths of two concerned parents on two different coasts. Now, Biden's Build Back Better bill promises to pay for child care and other parental bills so more women can go back to work. But this won't solve what's going on currently at schools across the country. Furthermore, with the strong possibility of illegal immigration rising to the levels of three to four million new migrants entering the country every year, only more stress will be hitting schools and hitting schools hard. This past Thursday, CNN's broadcast of Out Front hosted Johns Hopkins University economics professor Steve Hankey, who quickly dismissed as utter rubbish Biden's claims that the Build Back Better reconciliation bill will help with inflation. In fact, he said that even if no more money was put into the economy, we'd still have a big inflation problem that's going to last all the way through 2024. Now, Hankey said inflation is always a monetary phenomena. It's how much money the Federal Reserve in the commercial banking system is creating. And they've got so much excess money in the monetary bathtub, his terms, that so much in that bathtub right now that no matter what else they do, even if they completely cut the spigot off and they didn't put anything else in, we'd still have a big inflation problem that's going to last all the way through his predicted 2024. <laughs> now, the expression on the CNN's anchor was anything but pleased with this expert opinion. So, count on the new infrastructure law, coupled with the dire possibility of the Build Back Better bill passing, and perhaps you can see why, I'm predicting inflation could be as high as 15 to 20 percent by next year. And as for the supply chain dilemma, don't you think a businessman like Donald Trump, who knows project management and supply issues sort of inside out, would be better at today's supply chain mess? <laughs> Biden was at the Port of Baltimore the other day to celebrate his infrastructure bill passing Congress. As of Friday, November 12th, there were 169 ships waiting off the L.A. and Long Beach ports to be unloaded. Now, to give you some perspective, two weeks ago at CNN's town hall meeting with Biden, he had a whole hour with them, he announced that he had just fixed the port problems at L.A. and Long Beach. The backlog then, two weeks ago, was 111 ships. Well, now it's 169 ships. That's uh, Biden howdy-doody time progress for you. Okay, 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 I hear you. Donald Trump's not going to be president anytime soon, and perhaps never again. But I do miss the positive America-first approach of Trump and company. I know, I, I don't sound like an optimist, do I? I sound more like Eeyore. Honest, I, I grew up an optimist. Somewhere in my late 30s, I became a, a realist. At the moment, I'm a determined conservative. I'm a very determined conservative. 
I want to incite you to step forward and find a Republican candidate you can learn about and support in the upcoming 2022 elections. Go ahead and send 10 bucks in to your district Republican candidate for a House seat or get behind your candidate for governor. Even as, even if you just sort of step up and add supportive tweets on Twitter and posts on Facebook about your favorite 2022 candidate, that will help. We desperately need a conservative Congress, and we need it now. In fact, we needed it yesterday. So just don't sit there expecting good things to happen all by themselves. I can assure you, if you do, bad things are going to happen all by themselves. Let's switch up and tackle a more limited topic, but but no less an, an important symbol of the Biden administration's contempt for American citizens, and also part of the progressive left's indirect war on families. This has to do with Biden's DOJ negotiating with illegal aliens over a financial settlement in compensation for their psychological distress. Yes, I'm sure you've heard something about the psychological trauma illegal aliens sustained by entering our country illegally during the Trump administration. Once apprehended and arrested at the border, the, the children they entered the country with illegally were placed in protective services. Now, this separation allegedly led to the psychological trauma. To compensate them for this trauma, the Biden DOJ is negotiating to pay each of 5,500 plaintiffs just around $450,000. Now, despite boisterous denials from the Biden administration, that's the actual figure that's been thrown around by the ACLU that's negotiating on behalf of these illegal aliens. There's no irony here, but there's an awful lot of consternation about the fact that approximately 20% of these children were not genetically associated with the adults they entered the country with. Now, the cartels being good marketers, they leased children to migrants who knew they'd be turned back if they entered by themselves. So leasing a child as a family prop was was a natural until border agents began genetic testing, of course. Uh, you understand that if a citizen is arrested and can't make bail or isn't offered bail, their dependent children are handed over to protective services. That is, of course, they don't have a, at least one family member who can take direct custody of them. And this happens all the time. Well, less frequently now that blue states have waived bail. Now, how's, how's that working out in Chicago and, and New York City? Now, now, we know that when alleged or convicted criminals are released from prison, and reunited with their children, they don't get to negotiate with government for uh, psychic distress separation reparations. But if you're an illegal alien, that's all changed. Believe it or not, nearly 6,000 or so illegals have already been granted asylum due to the psychological distress that they sustained when they broke into our home. Well, I, I mean our country, I'm just using that metaphorically. Uh, the act of paying the cartels Hundreds of thousands of dollars didn't distress these migrants. The 2,000-mile walk to get to the border didn't distress these migrants. But who promised them free entry and welfare entitlements if they just would go ahead and cross the Rio Grande River into America? Now, now I dare you, go ahead and try to illegally enter 
any European country, any of you who have traveled internationally, know that these people at immigration, they're, they're darn serious people. Yes, go ahead and see if you're met with welcome wagon crews and open arms as you try to illegally cross into any of these countries. Now, here's an initial clip of Peter Ducey of Fox News confronting Joe Biden about what his Department of Injustice has been up to by compensating illegal aliens while Joe was away in Scotland, telling the world that we're abandoning the use of fossil fuels. The only good news in Joe's climate policy is that there's not going to be any coal available for Christmas stockings. Now, if you don't know, coal was put in Christmas stockings of bad boys and girls. That was... That's, that's way back in the day. Anyway, here's the clip. Uh, about the way forward, Mr. President, as you were leaving for your overseas trip, there were reports that were surfacing that your administration is planning to pay illegal immigrants who are separated from their families at the border up to $450,000 each, possibly a million dollars per family. Do you think that that might incentivize more people to come over illegally? If you guys keep sending that garbage out, yeah. But it's not true. So this is a garbage report? Yeah. Okay. So $450,000 $450, per person. Is that what you're saying? That was separated from a family member at the border under, under the last administration. That's not going to happen. Well, in fact, these negotiations were going on, and apparently no one told Joe. So Joe kept getting asked about it, and so did his press secretaries. Several days later, when Joe was asked about it again, he got cute and played games with the numbers and semantics. And then out of left field, Joe had a senior moment that I believe was really triggered by a post-hypnotic suggestion. Now, why do I say this? Well, the White House obviously carefully programs Joe to go out and read whatever they've carefully put into that darn teleprompter. They've even made special arrangements so the teleprompter can be practically in front of Joe so he can see the lines better. I mean, have you ever noticed how carefully the White House programs Joe to not answer questions after his speech? He even tells you he's going to get in trouble if he takes questions, as if he needs some kind of special permission to take questions. They don't want all of that work in the teleprompter, all of that work that went into that speech to go in the toilet by allowing Joe to wing it via freeform uh, taking unvetted questions and then having unprepared answers. And I swear they must be using hypnosis to program Joe. Now there are a lot of examples of Joe blurting out something I'm sure was triggered by a post-hypnotic suggestion. I am convinced they explained to Joe that the best way to stop these inquiries about payments to illegal aliens was to have Joe suddenly explode with indignation and trash President Trump's immigration policies while justifying Biden's compassionate payment for psychological distress to people who have no right to be here in the first place. So listen carefully as Joe is answering the reporter's question and then he suddenly explodes with very short comments. I've seen a lot of post-hypnotic uh, responses to triggers and, and I just wonder 
So take a listen. I can ask you real quick, sir, where, where do you stand? You said last week uh, that this report about uh, migrant families at the border getting payments uh, was garbage. No, I didn't uh, say that. Let's get it straight. You said everybody coming across the border gets five hundred, four hundred fifty thousand dollars. The number was what you had a problem. The number I was referring to. Okay. Now here's the thing. Sure. If in fact, because of the the outrageous behavior of the last administration, you coming across the border, whether it was legal or illegal, and you lost your child, you lost your child. He's gone. You deserve some kind of compensation, no matter what the circumstance. What that will be, I have no idea. I have no idea. But Dagnabbit, unlike other civilized nations, once the illegals are apprehended, Joe Biden doesn't tell them to go back. He purposely, in an in-your-face manner, turns them loose into the country. In fact, Biden's Department of Homeland Security travels them all over the nation, usually at night in secreted flights, and no one is supposed to know about it. It's like none of our business. Now, I am sure you see the irony in the fact that the Department of Homeland Security lets these folks loose all over America. Whose security are they protecting or maintaining anyway? We as Americans have become second-class citizens in our own country. Well, as I've talked about before, these let-loose illegal migrants are entitled to all sorts of welfare benefits that citizens aren't entitled to. This, despite the fact that we have more than 38,000 veterans roaming the streets homeless. Not to mention we just celebrated Veterans Day. Yes, if you're an illegal alien in America, you have special rights and privileges us taxpaying citizens don't get. Now, to bring this issue home to Florida, in October, an illegal alien who allegedly posed as an unaccompanied minor at the border, allegedly stabbed a citizen, a father of four, to death. Now, this migrant was living with this family in Jacksonville, Florida. This family with four children took this so-called underaged adolescent migrant into their home out of the goodness of their heart. Police found this underaged illegal alien wandering the streets while covered in blood. That's how the police discovered a crime must have been committed. When the police found him, the illegal alien said he was 17 years old and that, he'd, that he's an unaccompanied minor who was brought to Jacksonville by the government. Whose government? We didn't know at that point. Yes and no. Yes, he was flown into Jacksonville by the Biden administration and left there. No, he's not a minor. He's 24 years old. The father he allegedly murdered was 46 years old. Even more curious was how this 24-year-old fraudulent unaccompanied minor actually got to Jacksonville, Florida from Texas. Apparently, he, with thousands of other illegal aliens, was flown into Jacksonville International Airport at 3 a.m. on one of 78 secreted flights into Florida since May of this year. I say secreted because these flights happen in the dark early morning hours and migrants are quietly bussed out of the airport undercover and into the city where they're released. Few ever see them arrive and even fewer see where they're dropped off and what eventually happens to them. But this brazen murder in Jacksonville has shed a red-hot spotlight on something that's happening across the nation. 
the Biden administration is shipping these aliens everywhere and anywhere, making it near impossible to identify them until they run afoul of the law. So here's the question my governor, Ron DeSantis, was asked. Are agents from Homeland Security sending planes secretly into Florida and offloading aliens into your state from hundreds of different countries against federal law? So these are flights that are coming in two or three in the morning. Uh, the feds, of course, control the airspace and they're there on the ground. Uh, they take these folks and then they send them in other parts of Florida by bus or other parts of the southeast. And that individual who was murdered was in fact murdered by an illegal alien who was on one of Biden's flights, these, these midnight flights, unannounced, no notice, no support for the state, no ability for us to veto it ahead of time. And if, if Biden had not been doing that, if he'd been doing his job, that individual would be alive today. So, Governor, what can you do to stop this practice? You know, we'll provide buses and provide them. Uh, I will send them to Delaware and do that. I mean, if he's not going to support the border being secured, then, then he should be able to have uh, everyone there. Uh, so we will do whatever we can uh, in that regard, and we are absolutely going to do everything we can. Well, from wherever you're listening today, just know that this sinister, clandestine federal Gestapo police action is happening at every state of the Union except Alaska and Hawaii. Well, folks, our time has come to an end today. It went so fast. I hope you got something out of it. I certainly enjoyed doing it. Say, let's do talk therapy again next weekend. Until then, cheers and blessings from the Frankly Daniels Show.